Father, we are glad to be in your house this morning. Uh, Lord, we see the uh, beautiful snow outside, and uh, we look on the trees and we marvel at your creativity, your beauty, your power, and this creation. Uh, Lord, we also slip and slide on the roads on the way here, and we're reminded that this world that is full of beauty, uh, we have marred with sin. And therefore, the blessings that you provide also become uh, difficulties and temptations and trials for us. God, I pray that as this morning we gather together to talk, uh, Lord, about food, and then uh, to celebrate the food that you have given us in communion. Uh, Lord, we pray that our hearts would be stirred. Lord, help us uh, to understand better this topic. Uh, Lord, help us to hear from your word. Lord, you said that uh, the words that come from your mouth are more important to us than even bread. And so, Lord, would you feed us this day? Uh, Would you feed our cravings and our desires and our hungers, Lord, because ultimately our desires and our cravings are not simply for physical bread, but for you. And Lord, we crave your spirit, we crave your power, we crave your blessing. God, come and be among us today, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. About four or five years ago, I also discovered that I have a problem with food that food was an idol in my life. It probably had always been that way, but I didn't know it for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't have what you would classically diagnose as a medically diagnosed eating disorder. I've since learned that whether it's anorexia or bulimia or another medically diagnosed eating disorder, even if you don't have one of those, you can still have a distorted view of food. Another reason why I didn't understand that food was an idol in my life is because I was connected to or thinking about weight and therefore missing the real issue, which is food. Weight can be a symptom. It might not be a symptom, but the core issue is our relationship to food. And the third reason that I just had no idea was that I had no understanding that God had so much to say about food in his word. And so Raquel has shared her story of struggling with food. I have my own story. I'd like to share pieces of that with you this morning. But most importantly, what I want to do today is help us to understand what God has to say about food. And so I'd like to invite you to take a Bible There should be one in the rack in front of you. And turn to Genesis chapter one. It's the very first page of the Bible. Genesis chapter one, page number one. This year we're going through a sermon series uh, in the book of Titus. And the purpose of Titus is to help us live self-controlled, godly, disciplined lives. And food is one of the issues that is absolutely central to life. We're about to see that in just a moment. And as a result, it's one of the things in which it can be most difficult and also a greatest blessing to experience the power of God in self-control and in godly living. And probably more than anything else, food itself is connected with life. 
And so to live godly lives means we need to understand what God wants from us with regards to food. And so there are three truths from God's word that I want us to understand today as we think about this issue of food. The first comes to us in Genesis chapter 1. And we looked down in verses 27 to 29. Genesis 1, the beginning of all things. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And the first truth about food in the scriptures is that food is a gift and a blessing from God. This is our creation story. God is creating Adam and Eve. God is creating males and females. God is creating mankind in Genesis chapter 1. And as soon as he finishes telling us our place in the created order, the very first thing he does is give us a gift. And the very first gift God gives to us is food. It is a gift and a blessing from God. This is before the fall. This is before anything has gone wrong in creation. This is even before Adam and Eve are given the joy of work. God grants the gift of food to his people. This idea that food is a gift and a blessing from God continues throughout the scriptures. We get to Genesis chapter 9, and we find that God adds meat to the gift. He says, the fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and on all the birds of the sky and every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. All the meat added to the fruits and the vegetables given as a gift from God. This theme runs throughout all of the scriptures in Psalm 23, for example. David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Think about that. Enemies gathered around to kill you. David says, thank you, Lord, I get to sit down and have a meal. What's going to bring him joy in the midst of his discouragement? A meal prepared for him by God. Psalm chapter 65. God, you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. 
You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Food is a gift and a blessing from God. Joel chapter two. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord, your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Food is a gift and a blessing from God. I think it's so powerful in Mark chapter five when Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Do you know the first thing he commands? Give her something to eat. Just like Adam and Eve in the beginning of creation, the first gift is food. So when he raises this girl back to life, he says, feed her. Let her enjoy the blessing and the gift of food. Acts chapter 17. Sorry, Acts chapter 14. Paul says, yet he has not left himself without testimony, speaking of God. He has shown kindness to all humans, not just Christians, all humans, by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Food is a gift and a blessing from God. The Bible starts, creation starts in a garden full of food. The eternal state is pictured as a garden with trees of life lining the river of life, eating the food that God provides. All throughout, we are told over and over again, food is a gift and a blessing from God. This is why Thanksgiving weekend is such a great weekend to talk about food. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you ate until you were full. And I hope you gave thanks to God for it. This is what he designed for us. He loves it when his people enjoy food. This is his creation. He gives us food. Now our response is to accept this gift. For some of us, we may have had struggles with food because there are dangers associated with food. We may have come to loathe food or to hate food or to struggle with food. And the response is to hear God saying, it's a gift and it's a blessing. And the way you receive that gift is you eat. Is when God places food in front of you, you give thanks and you eat. When the sermon is done, we're going to celebrate communion. At the Last Supper, we are told Jesus took bread. Giving thanks, he gave it 
as a gift to his disciples, and his command was, take, eat, eat. And so our response to this beautiful truth that runs from Genesis 1 all the way through to Revelation 22, that food is a gift and a blessing from God, is we receive it with thanks, and we eat it. And nothing makes God more joyful at us celebrating that gift of food that he's given to us. There is a second truth about food uh, given to us in the scriptures. Not only is it a gift and a blessing from God, but food is also a temptation to replace God. Food is also a temptation to replace God. You're in Genesis 1. Turn over just two chapters to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now I want you to watch this verse, this next verse, very, very carefully. Verse number six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Now, just in verse 6, who's missing in verse 6? God, did you notice that? The beginning of the discussion is about God. God gave you this orchard. What did God have to say about this? But Satan very subtly has removed God from the discussion. So by the time we get to verse 6, he's not mentioned at all. What is the subject in verse 6? Food. And this great gift and this great blessing from God has replaced the giver. And that Satan's first temptation to us as humans, was to replace God with food. To take this gift and this blessing and use it to push away the one who gave it in the first place. And look what Eve is doing. She saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. What is Eve trying to do with food? She's trying to control life. She wants to be more like God. 
She wants to know the difference between good and evil. That fruit looks like it will be a blessing to her. And so Satan gets her to use food to try to control her life. You heard that in Raquel's testimony. A good and noble cause to eat healthy can, with Satan's deception, become a means by which we seek to run our lives apart from God. Genesis 3 is one of the reasons why I believe there are so many lies and deceptions associated with food. I told you a little of my own story. I said it wasn't until four or five years ago that I, did, that I realized that food was an idol in my life. You say, why didn't you know that before? The deception associated with it. In my case, my story was different than Raquel's. Some people eat because they're stressed. Some people eat because they're bored. I ate because I could. In my life, the struggle was using food to bless myself. Why not? That was my biggest struggle with food was, why not? It's a gift and a blessing from God. If this much is good, that much must be better. I would find myself at a fancy restaurant if someone else was paying or an all-you-can-eat buffet or wonderful cooking from my mom or from my wife and I would think, why not? Why not eat this? It's a blessing. And guess what? When I put the food in my mouth, it felt like a blessing. It felt like a gift. It felt good. And there's so few things in life in which we can actually control how much blessing comes to us. But in America, at least, when we live, food is one of those things. It's in the fridge. It's just waiting. It's on the countertop. It's at the restaurant. And I would be there at the all-you-can-eat buffet eating as much as possible, and I could almost hear God's voice saying, do you not think I'll feed you again? (laughs) And the answer was no. I'm here now. Pleasure is available. Cravings are here. I was driven by desire. And the problem is with a fixation on weight and those, that is not the issue. The core issue is food. And I was doing the same thing Raquel was doing, which is the same thing that Eve is doing, which is food as a means of controlling life. And whether that's not eating enough food, if that's eating too much food, it's simply moving God out of the discussion about food and saying, what do I want to do? We see food present in the most powerful temptation of all, and that is Jesus' temptation. When Jesus is ready to begin his public ministry, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness and tells him not to eat for 40 days and 40 nights. At the end of that 40 days and 40 nights, he is hungry. And Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 says, the who came to him? The tempter. 
This is Satan again. This is a recreation of the Garden of Eden. The tempter says, this is how I got Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. This will be how I will ensnare Jesus. So the tempter comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now the temptation here is not gluttony. Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. He's allowed to eat. Food is a gift and a blessing from God. The temptation is not to multiply bread. Jesus is going to do that later in Matthew's gospel when he feeds 4,000 and when he feeds 5,000. What is the temptation? The temptation is to use food to control the blessings in his life. After 40 days and 40 nights, there's bound to be some doubt in Jesus' heart about how this is all going. That in the midst of the struggle and in the midst of the suffering, he's hungry. And Satan comes to him and says, wouldn't you like to eat some food? Wouldn't you like to be in control? Wouldn't you like to experience the blessing that comes from food? And Jesus in his full humanity, please understand this. Jesus is as tempted by food as you and I are tempted by food. He wants to eat that food. He is hungry. And the temptation is for him to take control of his life. And although we don't understand what it's like to simply say to bread, a stone become bread, we know that voice in our ear that says, just go to the fridge. Just go downstairs and eat. It will taste so good. We know that voice that says, you've had a hard day. That bowl of ice cream is just waiting for you. We know that temptation that says, hey, look, don't eat that food. If you want to fit into those dresses that you love in your closet, don't eat that food. We hear that voice inside our, the same temptation Jesus felt, which was use food to control your life. You want blessing? Eat. You want blessing? Don't eat. All the same temptation. Food is a means of controlling the flow of blessings in our life. Jesus knows that struggle. And if you think, but you don't understand how deep those cravings and desires are, I do in some part, but Jesus knows it in full. But look at his response. Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I'll just tell you that in my own story, in my own struggle with food, it was this verse. This verse was the rescuing verse. This verse was the blessing from God to realize that those cravings and those desires, that food did in part begin to quench. We're fully satisfied in Jesus. 
the crazy idea that you and I can actually taste and see that the Lord is good. That that is a metaphor, but it's also a reality, a reality of those cravings, those desires, that need for control or for blessing is fully satisfied in God. And that whereas I had simply left God out of the equation when it came to food, Jesus put him front and center in the middle of the discussion. And that was the great blessing from God. How does this work? Well, this is the third truth about food that we have in the scriptures. Food is a gift and a blessing from God. It's a temptation to replace God. And then third and finally, it's an opportunity to engage with God. That's what Jesus is saying. Man does not live on bread alone. We still need to eat. It's a gift. It's a blessing. It is from the Lord. But food is an opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good. Food is an opportunity to engage with God. How? Let me take us through two passages. The first is how not to do it. The second is how to do it. So the first, how not to engage with food. Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you belonged to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Social pressure and rules are the wrong way to go about engaging with God in relation to food. Social pressure, what others think, Instagram, wanting to fit into a certain dress so that you might look nice to others, being afraid of how your doctor might treat you or the guilt that he or she might give you if you don't handle the food in your life, giving in to expectations from your parents or from people around you. Social pressure is not the way to deal with food. Neither is law. All the diet plans, all the external rules. You may not know this, but I was a vegan for 21 days. (laughs) We did the plan endorsed by Beyonce. And so Lisa and I did the Beyonce be a vegan plan for 21 days. I thought at some point in those 21 days I would get a euphoric rush that was like, this is fantastic. I'm just going to tell you, in my case... It was 21 days of misery. (laughs) 
At no point did I think, this is fabulous, I love it. Now please hear very carefully what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's wrong to follow diet plans and guidelines. What I'm saying is, if like law in the Bible, this is how you engage with food, Paul is trying to say there is some semblance of wisdom, meaning you might lose weight. You might have a different body image. You might meet others' expectations about you, about you when it comes to food. But what it cannot do is deal with the underlying issue of food. It has no power to deal with the cravings and the desires. Did you hear that in Raquel's testimony? All this desire to control the intake that didn't actually affect the, the desires. And food remained an idol. I told you in my own life, the reason why I was blind to this for so many years is because I was only thinking in categories of weight or body image or those sorts. That is not the issue. Diet plans and those sorts of things can help with weight loss, can help with body shaping and those kinds of things, but the issue is food. And they have no power to deal with cravings. They have no power to deal with desires. What then is the right way to do this? Romans 14. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Now here we go. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living the right way to engage with God about food is individually you and God. It's an opportunity to move God back into the center of the discussion. And what Paul is saying is, if you want to deal with the underlying cravings or desires or deceptions or lies about food, the only way to do it is not through society and not through rules. If you replace yourself as God when it comes to food with society or law or diets, you're just trading out one false God for another. But if you move the living and eternal God who created your body, who made food, if you move him back into the center of the discussion and simply engage with him, then you can ex experience the power and the blessings that come. This is the power of that verse where Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This was my salvation to realize that you can engage with God about food. Not what everybody else thinks, not the diet plan that seems to work for everyone else, just me and God trying to figure out, Lord, what's going on in my life? 
Jesus was led by the Spirit into where he was in Matthew 4. You heard in Raquel's testimony, it was the Spirit speaking to her through her mother's words. In my own life, it was God speaking to me directly through his word. And the great lie and the great deception that I had fallen into for so long was that God just didn't care. Nothing could be further from the truth. And the solution is inviting God into the discussions about food. I fell for the deception of eat whatever you feel like eating, whenever you feel like eating, however much you feel like eating, that I'm the ultimate one who determines. And whether that's too much or too little, and what Romans 14 says is, look, look, you belong to God. I live for him. He, my, I've been bought with a price. He wants to talk to me about food, not because he wants to restrict and cause my life to be miserable. Food is a gift and a blessing from God, and the creator of the universe is saying, let's have a conversation, just you and I, about food. And in your case, God may be saying, you're believing lies about food and how that might affect body image and weight and all of those kinds of things. In other cases, he may say to you, hey, look, you have chosen food as a means to bless you and tried to replace me with food. Whatever it is, the solution is, God says, come, let's settle the matter. Let's talk together, you and I. Not what Beyonce has to say. Not what the world has to say, not what your parents have to say, not what your friend group has to say, not what society has to say, just me and you, your heavenly father, who loves you desperately, who created you, who loves watching you eat and be full and be blessed. I was reminded this morning as I was praying back through this just one more time, I guess I hadn't even thought about it. Most of the offerings in the Old Testament are food. We think today of offerings as money. But back then, most of what was given to God was food. And here is the opportunity. We don't tend to give bread as offerings. We don't tend to give sheep and goats and lambs as offerings, but God says, when you bring your food to me, it's an offering. When you bring what you eat in a day, when you bring the decisions that you make, when you allow us to sit down together and talk through them, when you accept from me the blessings that come from my hand, it's a sacrifice, an offering, a praise to God. And so the encouragement is, if you've never done this, and for years I just never did, have a conversation with God about food. Lord, am I despising the food that you've provided because I want to control certain things about my weight or how I look or the way I'm perceived by other people? Lord, have I decided to make food the reason why I'm being blessed and to have to control the amount of blessings in my... Just simply have a conversation with him. Humans don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let him speak to you about food and see what happens. Now, there's no better way to end a sermon on food than with communion. Because in Genesis 3, 
Adam and Eve chose to eat food that God had said not to eat, and by doing so, introduced sin into this world. All the eating disorders, all the distorted views of of food, all the ways in which we try to bless ourselves, it came from a decision with regard to food. Food wasn't the ultimate sin pride was, but food was the means by which it came. And how fitting that the God who created food to be a blessing and a gift, who gave it to us as our very first gift, refused to give food over to sin and to Satan, and instead sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins, to be raised from the dead in a resurrection body which once again treats food in the right way and gave us a celebration with food to remind us that God, through Jesus, saves us. So I invite you, if you are a believer in Jesus, I invite you to participate with us in communion, a bread and a cup. These are symbols of God's gift and God's blessing. If you've not yet accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I'm just going to ask, just let these pass you by. But if you're ready, today is a great day. Today is a great day to accept the gift that God has given you in Jesus. God wants to bring order to our lives, not just with food, but in all areas of life. And so we come to the table and we celebrate the gift of Jesus' body and his blood. And the command is, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Take, drink. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then we're going to have some time of uh, silent reflection while the elements are being distributed. I'm going to ask during that time, start that conversation with God about food. It may be the continuation of a conversation. It may be the beginning of a conversation. It may be something you need to confess. It may be something you need to accept. It may be something you need to say thank you for. But just start the conversation with God about food. I'll get up uh, after we're done singing uh, a song, and I'll lead us, and then we'll partake of the bread and the cup together. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.